Hello, welcome. Uh, this uh, is the fourth in my series of introductions to Marxism and the second of my discussions of class. What I'm talking about today is uh, how class and class struggle operate in the world today. Now, um, according to Marx, modern capitalist society is more and more divided into two main classes, the bourgeoisie or capitalists and the proletariat or workers. Um, he made this statement in uh, 1848 in the Communist Manifesto, uh, but I would argue that it is more true today than when he wrote it. In 1848, it applied uh, only really to a corner of Northwestern Europe and maybe a bit of the United States. Uh, today, it applies right across the world. We have a global ruling capitalist class, albeit divided into different national sections, and we have a global working class. Um, every, everywhere, really, everywhere in the world today, both those classes exist and both those classes dominate uh, the society. Now, most of my life, uh, I have heard pundits and not a few social scientists, or people who claim to be social scientists, saying that class had disappeared was in the process of disappearing or was of declining importance. Uh, this was often based on the fact that the trappings of class from, say, the Victorian or Edwe Edwardian era, uh, you know, the, the top hats and the bowler hats and the upstairs, downstairs world and so on of the aristocracy, that that had declined. Um, but this is not the point. The reality is that class... Um, divisions and class inequality are absolutely as strong today uh, as they ever were and they affect people right uh, across every aspect of, of, of their lives. For example, class um, has an enormous Im impact on health and life expectancy, the most basic things. In America, if you are from the top of the social scale, uh, you will live roughly 10 years longer uh, than if you're from the bottom of the social scale. In Britain, the uh, figures are, again, approximately the same. Uh, and that will be the case with national variations uh, everywhere. That The top people at the top of the scale will sim quite simply live longer. They'll have lower rates of infant mortality, less illness, uh, and live longer. Uh, it affects... Uh, Educational achievement. Uh, this is not just a question of private education versus state education, even within state education. Those from the higher ranks in the social scale, the higher classes, will do better on average than those um, from the working class and those from the lower end of the social spectrum. Uh, not in every case, there are exceptions, but on average they will do uh, uh, better. Um, it affects your conditions at work, how you are treated at work, what rights you've got at work, what kind of conditions you work in. It affects your political um, behaviour, how people vote. It affects uh, their culture. It affects everything. Uh, and uh, um, if you are a woman and suffer, therefore, uh, from sexism, from discrimination, from the gender gap, from sexual violence and all these things, you suffer them more intensely and sometimes in different ways if you're a working class woman than if you're a middle or upper class woman. 
The middle and upper class women suffer from them too, but it is different if you're a working class woman. Same if you're black and you suffer from racism. Uh, right, you suffer it more intensely if you're working class. If you are a working class black teenager in the United States, not only are you more likely to be incarcerated and shot than a white teenager, but you're also more likely to be incarcerated and shot by the police than if you're a black middle class or upper class teen teenager. The class continues to operate. Now, in the, uh, um, I in the last session, the first session on class, I said that for Marx, uh, class was rooted in the social relations of production and in particular in uh, relations of production that were exploitative. How does this work where capitalists and workers are concerned? Right. According to the dominant view, um, the relationship between capitalist and worker is essentially one of um, free and fair exchange. The employer offers uh, the worker a wage in return. The worker performs, uh, offers them their labour power. It's a voluntary contract. Now, Marx showed, basis of great, great length, actually, he, he went really delved into this. Marx showed uh, that this was, in reality, neither a free nor a fair exchange. In the first place, it was not free, because the worker... You as a worker had no choice but to enter into this deal uh, because the only alternative was either starvation or miserable poverty. Secondly, it was not a fair or equal exchange because in reality, and as a rule, the uh, value of the goods and services that your labour produces is more than the wage that your employer um, pays you and that that difference is appropriated by the employer and becomes the basis of the employer's profits. Now think about it a minute from the point of view of employers that's the whole point of employing workers. They don't employ workers for the good of their health, they employ workers because they will make a profit out of their labour and that as soon as they cease making a profit out of their labour they let them go, as they say, or often off with, you know, they say how much they regret it, but nevertheless, they let them uh, go. And therefore, in this, in this relationship, there is a built-in conflict of interest. The lower your wages and the longer your hours of work, the more profit the employer makes on the deal, and vice versa. The higher your wages and the more you can limit your hours of work, the more their profits are, de uh, are decreased. So there's a, a real conflict of interest there. And this conflict of interests underlies the tra whole trade union struggle, which pervades the whole history of capitalism. Uh, and it develops wherever there is capitalist industry in the world, which, as I say, is now virtually uh, uh, everywhere. But the class struggle is not just about the conflict of interests in the workplace, even though that's its foundation. It's not limited to that. On the contrary, it extends right across the society. On every issue of public interest, there is a conflict of interest between um, the capitalist class uh, and the working class. Um, 
on the questions of health and education that I've mentioned before. Do you want more spending on health and education or less spending? What kind of spending do you want on health and education? Different interests of the capitalist class and the working class. On uh, foreign policy. Do you want a foreign policy uh, and war? Um, do you want a foreign policy that pursues the interests of imperialism and war? Or do you want a foreign policy based on uh, peace uh, and the cooperation of ordinary people? Do you want a foreign policy that involves going to the Middle East to fight a war for oil? Or are you opposed to that? That's actually a class conflict. The former policy is the policy of the capitalist class, the second policy is the policy uh, 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 of the working class. Um, it uh, affects profoundly responses to things like the Covid crisis that we're in at the moment as I make this video and the response to the climate crisis. The capitalist class has a vested interest in maintaining production even when it puts everybody's lives at stake. Uh, and so on, and is not really very bothered about uh, producing necessary uh, PPEs and protective equipment for people. On climate change, they have a vested interest in the maintenance of, of fossil fuels, even though they threaten the whole survival of the uh, human species. Of course, the ideologists and politicians of capitalism systematically deny this. They never say, we are operating for the interests of the capitalist class, what they always say is that they are serving the, the national interest, the people as a whole. Uh, but in reality, that is a smokescreen, a mask behind which um, uh, what they really do is pursue their class interests. Now, the final point I want to make uh, uh, in relation to class in this discussion uh, is regards a criticism that is often levelled at uh, Marx and Marxism, uh, both in the academic world and sometimes on the left. Uh, and that is that because Marxism privileges, as they say, or prioritises the question of class, that therefore Marxism has neglected or downplayed uh, other forms of oppression, such as racism, uh, sexism, homophobia, various other forms of, of, of bigotry. Now, um, I want to say that I think that is a, um, a mistake and it misses a crucial point. And the crucial point that it is that racism, sexism, all those forms of bigotry and oppression are actually weapons in the class war. They are weapons that are used by the capitalist class in order to uh, create scapegoats and deflect working class anger and in order to divide uh, the working class. And that therefore Marxists, whose fundamental goal is to unite the working class and focus its anger on the 1%, the capitalist class, have to be the most absolute opponents of racism, sexism, and every form of bigotry and, uh, uh, and oppression. So far from neglecting them, it is a crucial consequence of this focus on class struggle uh, that they, they need to be uh, uh, opposed and opposed absolutely and vehemently. I shall return to the, these questions, the specific questions of oppression later in this series. I just conclude by saying that um, 
what Marx said uh, 172 years ago in the Communist Manif Manifesto is not only true for the world today that we're divided into capitalists, uh, capitalists and workers, bourgeois and proletarians, but that the struggle between them has now become uh, an existential struggle for the, for the survival of the human race. Thank you.